Oh yeah, I'll turn mine on. My camera is still not functional, yeah, no unfortunately. Fuck yeah. Good on my end. All right, we got our freaking clap. You good to go, Patrick? Yeah. Everything looks good. Does it sound loud to yeah. you guys? Oh, sounds fun to me. Everyone clapped though, right? I did, yeah. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> yeah. You, you good? Cool. All right. Hello? Hello, everybody. All right. Uh, I guess I will go ahead and get started. Yeah, sounds good. Oh, man. I was going to do a bit, but now I'm too nervous to do it. Just do the bit, man. It's cool. You can cut it if you don't want. You can't add it in post. <laughs> I mean, you could, but... <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Devil Fruit Punch, the podcast where we read One Piece and we talk about it. I am your host, Jordan Peterson. And joining me today from the red wastes of Texas is Patrick Ramirez. I'm so glad to hear you, Jordan. Thank you. I didn't I didn't know who is what this podcast is going to be about, but I am very <laughs> excited to talk about things. Thank you for joining us, Patrick. And also with me today is Matt. Uh, I'm I'm sorry to tell you, Professor, that uh, that little pinko there is taking a sit down because uh, I'm your host, Alex Jones. You might have heard of me. <laughs> And we're here to talk about what One Piece is really all about, what they don't want you to know it's about. That's right, folks. They're turning all the frogs gay. We're going to be talking about that for the next couple of episodes here. I think that that's really the true uh, subtext of this arc. It's all about the neo-Marxist agenda. <laughs> okay, that was anyway. Good. I'm not keeping that up. <laughs> anyway, Hi, this week we're talking about episodes <laughs> nine, or sorry, chapters 96 through 105. I'm going to do that on every episode. Yeah, that's a good call. That, uh, that won't get old. On this, <laughs> on this one, the crew goes to Rogue Town and also uh, they go to an island with giant people. So oh, the yeah, Straw Hats visit island. Rogue Town where... Luffy LARPs as his favorite historical figure and almost gets his head cut off by Elvita and Buggy, but instead he gets hit by lightning. Oh yeah, and Zoro meets Kuina too while buying a spooky new sword. Oh, also Luffy becomes the new fixation for a whale with uh, dependent personality disorder, I believe is what it's <laughs> called, and the crew finds a log pose to help them navigate the Grand Line. Is that all that happened? I mean, there was some other small stuff sprinkled in there, but that was the overarching <laughs> kind of stuff. So with that quick little recap out of the way, first, I wanted to ask Patrick, do you have any questions for us about these chapters? Not immediately. I think I had questions and then throughout the chapters, they got answered. So I think I'm actually pretty good on these. Uh, this is a bunch of bunch of episodes we just read. Uh, everything was pretty straightforward, I feel. Oh, except, I mean, we can jump around, right? So, yeah, yeah. The dragon guy. That guy, uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I thought that guy <clears throat> kind of came out of nowhere. And then I thought he was, like, controlling the weather, too. Is that, like, a thing, maybe? I think that they imply that, I he, think that yeah. he can do that, controlling right? the weather, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, because he I goes, like, it's... wind blast and then, like, pushes everybody away. So, I think, yeah, it's, it's, uh... Not exactly telegraphed, but it is implied. 
Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, the weather thing, like it's hard to say it had a, a long wind up over like a five chapter arc, but like really early on, Nami's like, I think it's going to start raining really badly. We need to get start getting ready to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she must have sensed yeah. it like way far away, but just thought it was the weather. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, actually, I guess, you know, I think this is going to dovetail with a lot of the topics that we wanted to talk about as a group. One of mine was just the whole sequence with Luffy on the scaffolding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his declaration that he's going to be the king of the pirates and the fact that when he realizes he's going to die, he laughs and how... I felt that was very impactful. And also Smoker also was very impacted by it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Great. And moment. then the way that that all plays out with him getting struck by lightning. And it just so happens that because he's rubber, he's totally fine. Uh, that just that Ooh, whole sequence I thought I was even, very, very cool. I didn't even catch on that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The whole thing is all like fucked up and burned, but he's a rubber man. So he's just totally fine. Did not even catch on to that. There's a lot of weird shit that happens in these chapters that I would just kind of like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're talking offline, and I, I think I, I remarked that this might be the the best, like, most concentrated little run of, like, five chapters. Hmm. Maybe in the whole thing. I mean, there was just so much going on in Rogue Town here. Yeah, yeah. Um, do, did anyone want to add anything to the discussion of that whole sequence with Luffy and uh, Dragon and Buggy and Alvita and all that? I I will say I was uh, I did not remember that Alvita came back and I didn't remember that she was hot now either. <laughs> so that was like, wait, what? Yeah, Alvita I was on something. Weight Watchers, I guess, and uh, <laughs> and like plastic done, surgery, done pretty too. good. Like, well, I. Mean, I, I it's Sorry, nice to get a devil fruit that not only gives you superpowers, but also just has the added benefit of making you hot. Yeah, slip slip fruit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah fat yeah. just slips Everything off just you. Slips off of her. Yeah. What? And I love that, like she doesn't acknowledge it. You know, and I kind of think she's being honest when she says my appearance might have changed a tiny little bit. <laughs> but well, she yeah, she just say like, oh, I don't. You know, they say my beauty's enhanced, but I don't see it. You know. Yeah, yeah. She also said, "Like, unfortunately, my beauty was only slightly enhanced." That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and she I, was hoping for more. <laughs> I well, I really do buy that she isn't being coy there. Mm-hmm. It's it just her, you know, she was so delusional originally, or, or supremely self confident, I should say. That uh, even now she's like, "Okay, well, that's nice, I guess." But um, yeah, I, I wanted to say that I really love Buggy and Alvita coming back because. And Patrick, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but when I was first reading One Piece and it does these like seemingly random mini arcs that are like purely exist on the covers of each chapter, mm-hmm. I was like, is this actually happening? <laughs> like, is this just more goof ups? Because, you know, we'll see the pirates <laughs> hanging out with animals or whatever. And like, I don't think we're meant to assume that is happening. Oh, it's happening. It's not actually. <laughs> okay, well, maybe he's making banana flambe for monkeys or whatever. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> Like, we've seen Alvita in her new, you know, slip slip form for a while now. We just had no idea who she was. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and also, um, I, it's a similar thing with the whole uh, Kobe and Helmeppo thing, where mm-hmm. uh, now that you have the Alvita thing confirmed, you're like, okay, well, I guess Helmeppo and Kobe actually are doing all these things, you know? Exactly. It, it, and, like, <clears throat> we've, we've been seeing so much of the Kobe and Helmeppo stuff that it, it almost makes you want to go back. <laughs> Like, oh, wait, I need, I, I need, yeah, not, not enough to actually do it, but I'm glad you brought that up because I did want to just touch on 
this new character that has been alluded to in the Kobe and Helmeppo stuff, uh, Vice Admiral Garp. Um, not to say too much about Garp right now, but just that like we've only caught these really fleeting glimpses at like Navy structure and headquarters or whatever. And um, Garp as a Vice Admiral is, is by far like the most important Navy guy we've gotten a glimpse of so far. Yeah, and, for um, sure. The next one would definitely be Captain Smoker, who um, is great. I, I know you're a yeah, big fan of him too, John. Let, but, let's yeah. hold on to that. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, so before we move on from the whole like Luffy on the scaffold thing, uh, I know you wanted to briefly mention his bounty, Matt. Do you want to touch on that real quick? Yeah, totally. Yeah, this will just be a real quick one. But um, I mean, speaking of naval headquarters, we actually see it in this like opening scene um, that kind of carries over from you know, the, the, the rat-faced evil officer, Nozumi or whatever, from Arlong Park, Luffy has a bounty now. Um, and it's actually quite a big one. It's it's 30 million berries, uh, which is 50% as much as Arlong, you know, over twice what um, Buggy got, I think exactly twice what uh, Krieg got. Um, yeah. So after Arlong has been defeated, he's now has the highest bounty of anybody from the East Blue, right? Yeah, and they even kind of, I don't know if this is strictly going to hold out for the rest of the series, but they make a comment about how like 30 million is an unprecedented starting number. And it, it's kind of crazy and controversial to give him that much as his first bounty. But this is just like a, a pet thing of mine. But like in, in stories like this, you see the line like, you know, other anime or manga or, or video games. I really like the notion that, you know, as your this character is going around doing more things, that they're establishing a reputation. And I think that the $30 million bounty is really kind of a sign to the world to like, hey, the Straw Hat Pirates are here. They've arrived. They're not even it's in the, the Grand um, Line yet. It's the One Piece equivalent of power levels in Dragon Ball Z, basically. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Instead of, instead of your power level on your scouter, you have the number of dollars next to your face or below your face on the poster. Yeah, and what a face it is, too. He's just grinning like a jackass. I think he makes the exact same face when he's looking at the poster for the first time. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you just throw that in with, like, the very dramatic near execution and declaration that he's going to be king of the pirates with the lightning and all that. It's going to make a big impact on people. You know, they're not going to be just these randos everywhere they go anymore, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, and I also, I mean, this is something that we can only speculate on at this point, but, like, I feel like Dragon really fucking timed that perfectly where like Luffy is going to be a legend after this. You know what That's I mean? That's a good like, point. Yeah. Everybody in that square who saw like the hand of God intervene to save him is going to like be telling this story, you know? That's a really good point. I, I've never thought of that, but kind of like Patrick was saying, it, it, it seems like dragon has the ability to manipulate the weather. If he was purely trying to get Luffy out of there for whatever reason, Probably didn't need to be so dramatically timed about it. <laughs> yeah. But, I, uh, yeah. Maybe it was a coincidence. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe not. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Patrick, is there anything that you would want to touch on that you took notes about? Um, these chapters uh, through 105, we get to see Reverse Mountain that I wanted to say yeah. was a really cool idea. And I had just seen a bunch of bullshit videos on YouTube about, uh, or pop up in my feed somewhere about how there's a, I guess other theories of how people built the pyramid, how the, how the Egyptians built the pyramids by uh, making like waterways that with a set of locks that go up the slope and that's, they floated bricks up there. And then to see reverse mountain basically be the natural version of that was kind of funny to me. 
So uh, that's actually really cool, and I actually is, wouldn't yeah. be surprised if like Oda knew about that, and that was part of the inspiration. Yeah, he, he's a guy <laughs> who researches all kinds of weird shit. But uh, oh, when they first said Reverse yeah. Mountain, I mean, it didn't make sense to me, and I don't really yeah. know why it's called Reverse Mountain still. But the I think it's because the water flows the opposite direction. It goes up down, and goes up. I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess it. that would make sense. Yeah, but I just I like how the. The calm, the, the calm currents, or calm belt, calm belts, yeah, yeah. The calm belts on yeah. either side of the main. Uh, what's it called? The middle one. I forgot already. The, the Grand Line. Grand Line. Yeah. yeah. Um, like how they hit the mountain, and then they go back under. It's like kind of like a riptide thing. Uh, yeah, I thought that was cool. And then also, um, the other thing I wanted to bring up is Laboon, the whale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, dude. I mean. Right off the heels of Avatar 2, you know, I'm still feeling I have a soft spot for whales right now. <laughs> no kidding. And, uh, You've been propagandized <laughs> by the whale lobby. You've been propagandized, yeah. Anti-whaling, which I think is like a big deal. I mean, we can, this is like a little bit political, I guess, but like there is a big debate over whaling. I don't know if there's really a debate. It's like people well, are doing whaling and lots of people think you should not do whaling. It's more of a debate in Japan. And, yeah, where this is from, right? So I think that's a big yeah. deal. There's I think even here a, we're all pretty much universally against whaling, but I think in Japan it's more of a hot button issue. There's even a, a throwaway line when I, I think, and we'll have to get to them in a sec. But uh, Mister Eight and Miss Wednesday, I believe, uh, whatever the hell the number is, Mister Nine. Sorry, um, somebody you know they mentioned that they want to kill Laboon to bring his meat back to feed their village, and somebody has a line of like. Not to step into the whaling debate or anything. But. <laughs> I think it was Sanji, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of he course, did say it that. would be him because he he's the chef, so he's like, listen, whale's kind of tasty, but. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad you brought the Laboon stuff, Patrick, because one of the things on my list of things to bring up was Laboon, I guess, because. I didn't really do much for me, but I wanted to hear what you guys thought about it. It didn't do much for you, you heartless <laughs> bastard. <laughs> man. I mean, listen. I was like. I'm anti-whale. Man, I, don't know. I was uh, I was really feeling for the laboon, man. Especially when they go, when, um, who's the plant, the flower-headed guy? Crocus. Or crocus. 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 Crocus, yeah. crocus of shit. Yeah, uh, something like that. <laughs> apparently, crocus, the best, the best uh, <laughs> veterinarians for whales uh, completely replace their inner structures with metal and just like random shit. You know, building. Well, yeah, they them. get too big. Building them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, that's his answer. Oh, they get too oh, big. Matter of fact, he I'm is, sorry. Yeah. What? So you build like ports and like doors, and you paint <laughs> the entire inside of their body. Aqueducts. Yeah, he's got a like aqueducts. a house on a fake they're, island. <laughs> they're too big from the outside, so. This is you know, really it's helpful. actually funny. I uh, I recently watched that uh, Cronenberg movie, Crimes of the Future. Oh yeah, and this this is like where that is kind of like a post humanist society. This is sort of post whale society where <laughs> the like this this whale's insides have been replaced by man made structures. <laughs> yeah, well, like there's all this fear about the stomach acid being like lava, and then Crocus like literally dives into it for a couple seconds. And doesn't even bother with a, oh, it's fine. I've built up an immunity. No, it's like, no, just don't worry about it. <laughs> I thought he was a bad guy. I mean, you see him go into that room with the giant syringe. And he's like, oh, I'm almost out of tranquilizer. You're like, what the hell is this guy doing, man? <laughs> the whale's clearly like, ramming his head against the rocks to get rid of this, like, horrible, you know, parasite living inside of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's actually funny. We, we should return to this discussion later because... I, yeah, I guess I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, that is a funny idea that he's like some kind of mad scientist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's 100%. just making up the story about his friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, 
I, I know we're going to be hopping back and forth on Rogue Town and, and uh, Reverse Mountain a little bit, but I, I think I'd say that I found this a lot more emotionally affecting the first time I read it. Um, the second time, probably just because I knew it was going to happen, it, it just got to me a little bit less, but I still just really love Luffy's like unspoken bro warrior code understanding of situations like this. Like he hears this, you know, really kind of emotionally affecting story. And his response is like, I'm going to fucking attack him now. Um, <laughs> which he does by like snapping the mast off the ship, jamming it into an open wound and then just wailing on him for a bit. Oh, it, it, yeah. see what you did there, Matt. Yeah. Oh shit. I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like literally, I, it was kind of funny how he resolved the issue by being like, "Well, you don't have any friends, but you do have a rival." <laughs> yeah, well, and it, it it allows him to like preserve his dignity, you know, like instead of turning it into a pity party to move on. Um, that's a great yeah. point. Luffy never pities anybody. Exactly, that's like a, one of the beautiful things about him. Like we go back to like Arlong Park and that you know that incredible scene where Nami's you know having a breakdown and stabbing her shoulder at you know the uh, Arlong tattoo. Luffy, like, needs her to ask him to help her before he'll help her. Um, it, it's only when she says, you know, Luffy, help, that he, you know, takes that hat off and, and goes for it. Whereas here, he's like, no, you, you're a proud warrior. You know, you haven't given up. You're, you're literally killing yourself because you're not going to give up. You're a strong, independent whale. Yeah. And, like... You don't need no friends. And he paints that <laughs> god-awful, like, <laughs> Jolly Roger over the scars to say this is like the you know the mark of our bond don't fuck it up by hitting <laughs> the ma- the red line again <laughs> and yeah. uh it's really smart you know luffy luffy's i don't know i think i still maintain my theory that luffy isn't actually stupid he just prefers to be stupid whenever he can get away with it um I, yeah but- i don't know he strikes me as a definitely aloof to most things but not <laughs> yeah. when it matters <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. It has like 26 wisdom, but like six intelligence. <laughs> yeah. Great way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there are these um, two freaks who look straight out of, you know, the Austin Powers anime who show up too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, these guys. We will definitely return to them more, I think, in the next episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're they're just these weirdos with these bizarre names that are hard to remember. Mr. Nine and Miss Wednesday, and uh, they seem extremely out of place in this story <laughs> in a way that's funny, but like at this point doesn't really give you anything to latch on to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it more in the next episode, yeah. but I kind of I like that uh, we got to get our toes into this whole like thing that's happening with them, and it wasn't like, this is kind of the introduction to their whole deal, so that actually kind of getting a taste for it. <clears throat> yeah, I mean that that segues a little. Oh, actually, no, I was going to mention this next time. Never mind. <laughs> I'll keep that for next um, episode. Sorry. I have something that I would like to talk about, if that's okay, and then we can uh, please go to Matt after that. I want to talk about motherfucking Smoker. Yes, <laughs> Smoker. He's goaded with the sauce. Yeah, Let's this is your boy. Oh, yeah. All right. Let me just walk you through his introduction. Okay. <laughs> He's smoking two cigars. Yeah. We all know that smoking a cigar is manly, right? You have your, yeah. your Churchills, your Fidel Castros. This guy <laughs> has two fucking cigars. So he's twice as manly. And then he a little girl runs into him and spills her ice cream, but he doesn't get mad at her. He apologizes and he pays for her ice cream. And he's nice to he her. He tells her so to get like, even okay. more ice cream. 
So you're like, okay, he's not just manly, he also has a kind heart. And if that wasn't a fucking enough, this big balls motherfucker gets on a cool ass motorcycle. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I I believe it's a tricycle. It. Tricycle, John. Let's 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 clarify. It is some kind of. I think he calls it a bike, but you're right. It does have three wheels. It's still cool though. It is and very cool. Hell yeah. I love a smoker. He's fucking goaded. Let's go. Smoker rocks. I think the ice cream thing is actually a callback to, I want to say how Meppo bumps into a little girl. And uh, I think it might've been ice cream too. And she spilled, it's like the same situation, but he's just a complete prick to her. Um, and I think that this is really doing a deliberate contrast of like the first time we saw a Navy guy and thought, oh, this guy's going to be a good guy. And it turns out he was a prick. Mm-hmm. Now we've seen so many just fucking awful Navy guys that we're kind of conditioned to assume of the scary looking <laughs> you know, macho man times a thousand is going to go ape shit on this little girl, you know? Yeah. The well, villagers also- are. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I mean, like, we've heard a couple references to, to Smoker as being a, a, a figure who's kind of feared in Rogue Town. Not because of anything he's necessarily done. He just seems like a very intense guy. And yeah, it turns out he's not just a complete monster like um, Axan Morgan was. Yeah, and we also have uh, Kuina too is kind of vouching for him. Like she sticks up for him when the sword vendor uh, says calls him a monster or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think you mean Tashi though. Uh, isn't that what I said? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, to this date, I think. <laughs> People are like, what, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, Kawina too. Um, but yeah, I, I just love Smoker. That's it. I There's not, I mean, it, it it's also cool that he is just like, we're going after him. And they're like, but we have to stay here in the town. We're going to get in trouble. And he's like, no, 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 fuck that. We're going after him. <laughs> he just yes. decides like, nope, we're going. Well, like. You know, this is, I think, with uh, Alvita and Buggy coming back and, like, confirming that the cover story is a real thing. Like, this is where you're really starting to get, like, okay, we're going to the ground. Like, this is about to become a bigger, more complex story. We're not doing, like, the villain of the week stuff all the time. People are going to come back. You know, like, the the plot lines are about to get a little bit more complex, a little bit more, you know, medium to long term. Um, yeah, actually, could... hold on. I was thinking okay. about this. So if, yeah, yeah. if Smoker is going to pursue them to the Grand Line, he can't go back up Reverse Mountain. So he has just committed himself to like a years long voyage. Which he's leaving. Yes. He's leaving his post basically. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, and he's not coming back for a while. <laughs> so I, I will say that, like you know, and, and this is getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but the Navy does have some ways of getting around <laughs> that, that typical civilians uh, can't really make use of as well. But you're right, like. It, even then, this is not a casual thing. He's not doing this on a whim. He, he's making like a, a Moby Dick, Captain Ahab level commitment. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting the straw hats. I'm going in after him. <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah, that, that was kind of a note I wanted to touch on of just like, there's so, like, Rogue Town is presented as like the beginning and the end of the Grand Line, right? Like, this is where, you know, this is where you go to start your journey from here. This is where you go to end it. This is where the King of Pirates is born. It's where the King of Pirates was executed. And like Smoker really kind of spells out, you know, he's comparing the fact that uh, Luffy and, you know, Gold Roger both smiled and laughed at the idea of their death 
Um, but there's also a parallel between Luffy, you know, sh- proclaiming that he's going to be king of the pirates to when Gold Roger announced the existence of the One Piece in the first place. Um, there's just a lot of stuff going on. Like this weird storm shows up. Dragon is so mysterious. I think this is the first character that they've really said, like, this is going to be a big guy and I'm giving you absolutely no detail now. And you might not get it anytime soon, but Smoker knows who he is and he thinks it's a big deal. You know, old people you weren't expecting are showing up, especially Tashigi. I mean, we've talked about how, you know, Odom probably regretted just creating such a great character with Koina and then killing her off so unceremoniously, like two pages later. It's hard to not view, you know, this weird kind of clumsy, but very, you know, dedicated and knowledgeable, you know, Navy, just like a corporal at this point or something. I don't know, but, but a swordswoman with it, she looks exactly like Queen of, but with glasses, there's just so yeah. much going on here. It feels like such a confluence of fate and destiny in, again, just five chapters. It still just blows me away. So much stuff happens here. In five chapters. <laughs> the, yeah. the way I read that was that he realized that, oh shit, I shouldn't have killed Aquina. Uh, yeah. Let me just rip the retcon that with this person who looks exactly like her and has the same yeah. <laughs> same desires and like wants. And then it's we'll like just, a D&D we'll, thing. We'll just right? replay this lady. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, your character died. Uh, oh, my character's. It, it, like, somebody oh. looks just like him. Same class, but oh, they have they're glasses crazy. now. Oh, they're totally different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless they're not, I don't know. Maybe is he really going to go for like the long, long, long term play of? <laughs> oh, it turns out they've been the same person the whole time. I have no idea. <laughs> Kuina, yeah, fell down the stairs and went unconscious. Yeah, <laughs> and then woke up to her new identity. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. No, it would be the the theory would be called K equals T, Kuina equals Tashiki. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> um. Did you, is there anything you wanted to touch on, Matt? I got two more things. Yeah, I don't know if you or Patrick had anything, though. Um, um, throw us out one of yours, and then we'll, we'll cut to Patrick. <clears throat> okay, so th- this is a small one. Um, I just want to say I really, it's probably my favorite detail about um, the Merry Go is that Nami planted a tangerine grove on top of it. Um, it's just very distinct. It's very sentimental. Uh, it gives her own little private kind of safe, comforting space and, and with, you know, as kind of tough and, and mercenary <laughs> and smart as Nami is, it's nice seeing her get this little tender moment uh, for herself that uh, gives Sanji an opportunity to simp for her by um, being its guard dog. <laughs> but uh, I just really like that. You know, that, to me, it kind of reveals how she's she's allowing herself to be a little bit more vulnerable and personal with the group now that she's you know, truly one of them after the last arc. Yeah. I, I like several things about that. I, first of all, it's just very fantasy. Like the idea of a uh, plants growing on a ship yeah. is very, very fantasy and very cool. Um, I also like that the one that the straw hats, I almost said the one piece pirates, <laughs> you know how, you know how Zelda is the main character of Zelda. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the straw hats, they, their, their ship is always like whimsical and fun. Whereas like everyone else's mm-hmm. ship is mostly just like normal. I like that. They kind of have this like whimsical feel for their ship. Yeah. Like that part's cool. And I also like that. It's, it practically makes sense that they have citrus fruits growing on their ship. Like, that makes sense. That's something that, I mean, I guess it doesn't make sense in the strict well, sense, but it's logical that you would want that. 
You're right, because now that I think about it, there was a whole thing where some people were getting scurvy um, back in, maybe it was Bardy, I don't remember. But yeah, no kidding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a very practical thing to have your own ready-made citrus supply. Yeah. All right, uh, Patrick, is there anything left that you would like to address before we uh, move on to my last thing? No, I think that was pretty much it. I think the... The only thing I was going to talk about is log poses, but I think that makes more sense in the next arc. We can touch on it now, though, at least. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, did you have questions about it, or did you just think yeah, it was an how, interesting idea? Or Well, I'm confused on how they work, if I'm being quite honest. <laughs> I don't understand. It's not a great explanation that we Yeah, did. I mean, this is it doesn't have to do much with this chapter. They introduce what the what it is in this in these chapters, but... The way it works is more in the next arc, and that's where I have a question, so I'll save it for then. I, I think there's something to be said, though, because, like, we do get kind of this view into, like, the structure of the Grand Line. Like, Crocus explains, the you know, there are all these different paths you can take. But once you, like, kind of, you know, from here, once you pick a path, your options become more limited. Um, until you get the, to the very last island, which I think is named here, Raftal. Mm-hmm. Um, which supposedly only the Gold Roger pirates were ever able to reach there in the first place, or nobody would even know it exists. Yeah. And I think Luffy's I, like, is that where the One Piece is? <clears throat> anyway. I think the way to think about the log poses, Patrick, is that, like, it's like a normal compass, but it, it's like a learning compass where it can, like, become accustomed to the weird magnetic field from an island and kind of, like, reorient itself towards the next one, right? Because, like... Each island is giving off this like magnetic field that normally would be at the North Pole, right? But instead, yeah. there's a bunch of them all spread out throughout the Grand Line because of all the minerals or whatever. So as you get to an island, your 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 log pose has to like reorient itself towards the next island by like a, by uh, I, I guess like um yeah like <laughs> reorienting itself with the magnetic field from that island. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I, I think. So, and this is kind of a criticism I have of, this applies to reverse mountain in the ground. Like, just, there's clearly such a specific idea of, like, how the world is laid out and how all this stuff works that clearly a lot of thought has been put into it, but it, it's a little confusing and head-scratchy. Um, I think the log pose is just the idea is there is no true north, but there is a true north between islands. And this is just a handy little magic watch that will figure that out. Um, but you just kind of have to wait for it to do its thing. You have to be on an island before you can figure it out to get to the next island. Mm -hmm. um, and that could be a short or a long process. It just depends on where you are. The whole idea is just like the, the Grand Line is the manif you know the manifestation of chaos. You cannot tame it. It's it's a wild beast, and it kind of ties in further with like the idea of luck or unluck. Like, what if you pick? a really bad island to go to next. What if you're just kind of fucked? You know, there's this element of like fate or like chance or destiny playing out um, with these journeys just to kind of articulate. There's a reason why like only one person, like one crew rather has ever been able to pull this off before. And like nobody else, nobody else has ever gotten to Raftal supposedly. Um, it just has its own rules. You know, when well, like when Nami gets so fucking terrified when she realizes they're on the combat, that's just such a great moment. Like, we have to go now. Uh, nobody yeah. else gets it. And you see this 
awesome double spread of these just, I mean, Godzilla, like kaiju level sea creatures <laughs> around them, the Neptunians. <laughs> oh, man. Mm. I love when it's a double page spread, man. Yeah. I'm like, it's oh, a lot I of got them. two pages. Dude, it's mm-hmm. so cool. Especially out of nowhere like that. Yeah. It, it, it just really drives home, you know. Or like, oh, we've been going backwards. We didn't even realize. It's just like, yeah, you, you you have to be very humble about the task that you're undertaking. Because if you're not, then you're you're gonna die or get your shit kicked. Yeah, totally. Um, so my last thing is just all the sword stuff. <laughs> cool. Um, my last thing ties into that too. Yeah, I just I like all the sword lore. You know, when she was saying, "Oh, there are this many legendary blades, and this many master crafted, and this many fine ones, and uh, this is the particular history of this blade. It's the third one, and the first two were fine, but the third one is cursed." And <laughs> like you know, Toshiki's whole thing about how she wants to like reclaim swords uh, from bad people, and how most of like. Most of the swords are, are held by bad people and, and all that. I, I like that. All that shit was really cool. And then yeah. the whole thing, like, that shit was badass when Zoro just, like, threw the sword in the air. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, okay. Well, if it cuts me, then uh, I guess it is cursed, you know? Like, that thing was fucking cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, all, all, all the sword stuff I, I was I was pretty, pretty happy about. Well, I liked Toshigi's thing about, like, you know, I care about swords on them being in the hands of good people and pirates are automatically bad. Cause that sort of rhymes with Zoro's attitude towards, um, pilot uh, pilots. I'm mixing up my L's and my R's. Zolo's attitude towards pirates. Uh, when he first <laughs> met Luffy is like, you know, these are bad guys. I have no interest in working with them. Um, Toshiki kind of goes through a little bit of that herself of like, he doesn't seem that bad, but he's a pirate. Um, mm-hmm. but your comment about, um, the, you know, seeing if the cursed sword kind of chooses him or if he's worthy of it and he just kind of throws it up and sees if it'll kill or maim him um, is something I wanted to touch on because I really like the idea of swords having like a will of their own or a sense of discretion. And this is kind of a nerdy tangent, but um, there's a, a legend I really like about these two swordsmiths who were actually, you know, real life people. Um, one was a uh, Masamune and the other was a uh, Muramasa. I hope I'm pronouncing that a little okay. Um, Masamune is considered the greatest swordsman or swordsmith to have ever lived in Japan, and uh, Muramasa was a uh, a student of his at one point. I want to say, and the legend goes that uh, Muramasa challenged Masamune to a challenge to see who could create the better sword, and they both you know came up with their swords and they put them one after the other into a river. And uh, Maramasa's sword cut everything it touched. It cut the water, it cut the leaves that floated by, it cut the fish that swam by, it cut the air itself that, you know, went around it. And Masamune's sword, um, it cut the leaves, but the fish swam by it, the water flowed around it, the air kind of whistled around it. Uh, and there was a monk who was watching them from, like, across the riverbank. And Maramasa took this to mean that his blade was superior because it cut everything. It didn't just cut the leaves. Um, and the monk pointed out that Masamune's sword was superior because it had discretion in what it cut. It didn't just cut everything indiscriminately. And this isn't quite a one-to-one thing, I think, with with you know the the cursed sword here. But I think that it does play into this notion of a sword having a will of its own, um, and that Zolo, you know, not necessarily through random chance. I, I think that by demonstrating his his bravery and his resolve. 
the sword used its discretion to not cut him. Um, which I think is just a, a, an interesting little detail that adds a lot of flavor. Yeah, and this this, actually, this might come up later. I don't remember if this is in this, these chapters or not, but uh, there's also a thing about like the sword should only cut when the swordsman wants it to. That's going to be in the next mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got that too. We, yeah, yeah. We can we we can uh, we can touch on that for absolutely sure next episode. Um, all right. Um, does anyone have anything else that they would like to address? If not, I, I have a little segment uh, that we can get to before we rate and review. Yeah, I don't think that there's anything major left that I wanted to touch on. Um, just Dan, this is this is cool. We're, we're going to the Grand Line, boys. We're finally there. Yeah. All right. I was wondering. We've seen a few devil fruit powers now. We have the gum gum fruit. We have the slip slip. The chop chop. Um, the smoke fruit. The, uh, the smoke, uh, smoke smoke fruit. The smoker has. And also some unnamed power that uh, Dragon has to manipulate the weather. So what I was wondering is if you guys could have a devil fruit power, what devil fruit power would you have? Oh, that's a tough one. (laughs) And Patrick, you can make one up since you don't. I mean, I'm going to make one up too, and so can Matt. But don't feel like you have to like be limited to the ones that you've seen in the show. I mean, mine would be easy. Mine would be the fly fly fruit. I I just would want to fly. That's it. Okay. That's not that's not terrible. That's yeah. a pretty good one. I like it. I I personally I would want the tree tree fruit. Yeah. I would want my body to be made of tree and be able to grow trees out of things. <laughs> like uh I think the way it would work is I would like harness like the things that plants normally use, right? Like if I consume like water and earth and sun, if I have those three things I can like do accelerated photosynthesis and like grow trees and plants out of things. That would, that would be, I think what I would want to do. Man, this is a really tough one. Um, I guess I would want to be like the art, art fruit um, and be able to both, you know, create and transform myself into manifestations of artistic expression and that I could then, you know, live in and travel throughout, you know, the inspired imaginations of anybody who is moved by the art I would create. Um, That's super conceptual. <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to not pick one from from One Piece. <laughs> That's the best I can yeah. do on, on the top of my head. I, I like the Devil Fruit like yeah. system. It's pretty cool. Especially like we haven't even learned that much about it. Like it, it gets cooler, honestly. A lot, a lot happens, but yeah, like like for a while, devil fruit users were very few and far between, and now we're starting to see kind of an uptick in it. It's like every chapter. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we had two new ones in this set of chapters. Uh, well, and, and Smoker is the first example, I think, of of like. You know, you see his ability in action, and to me, you really have the like the reaction, like, how the hell do you deal with that? Like, what can yeah. you do against a man who can just turn himself into smoke at any time? If when you punch him, you're punching smoke, then like, what yeah. the fuck are you supposed to yeah. do? Yeah, yeah. Just the, uh, the whole notion of a guy can transform into like non-solid matter is, is very intimidating. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Because like Luffy's body is made of rubber, but like you can still like beat up rubber. You know, it's yeah, just, you can it, cut it's him. It's hard to do, but you can do yeah. it. You know, stick it, stick his foot in a rock and toss it under sea. Like that's or, such a simple idea. It nearly killed him. <laughs> yeah. Or spoilers. Put him under a mountain, and then he's fucked. <laughs> um, all right. What, well, I guess, I guess actually, I was curious. What, Patrick? What's your favorite one so far that you've seen of the powers? Yeah. Who? Kind of. Uh, I think my favorite one might be in the next arc. The uh, oh, nice. Miss All Sundays powers seem pretty cool. Oh, oh okay. yeah. I yeah, can't we'll, wait to talk about that. We'll get yeah. to that for sure. I think that's probably the coolest <laughs> one so far. Because Buggy, now, Luffy, no. It's funny. <laughs> I like Smokers. I think Smoker is probably my favorite so I far. I mean, if I was, like, committing heists, I think I'd choose Smoker. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. Just, like, disappear. Or, like, you know, push people away with smoke and, like, disappear with smoke. But, like, uh, I think as far as, like, really cool, weird shit, like, yeah, being able to, like, telekinesis, basically, is the coolest one. So far. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, it, it, we'll have to talk about Miss All Sunday and, and just see if we can get to the bottom of what the hell is going on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For next time. All right. For next time. Um, So before we head out, this is something that I haven't been consistently doing, but I think we should try to be better about it. Let's, uh, let's rate these chapters on a ranking system from F to S, S being the best. Uh, Matt, we will begin with you. Well, I, I'm a compulsive uh, overrater, I think, but I, I just get so enthusiastic about this stuff. Um, Rogue Town is a absolutely an S for me. Um, I, I just think pound for pound, you're not going to get a better five chapter run in this. And if one comes up, I'll be sure to say so. But um, uh, with uh, Laboon and Reverse Mountain, uh, I'd give that a I'd give that a solid A minus that I'm going to bump up to an A just because I remember how much Laboon moved me the first time. Um, it's very transitional. Like the ground line stuff is kind of cool, but also kind of hard to make sense of. Um, who the hell are Mr. Nine and Miss, you know, Wednesday? Clearly you're going to learn, but it's just a little bit random to me. Um, but the stuff with the whale and, and getting the whale to not kill itself, I thought was very well done. Very, very cool. I like that. I like that rating. Uh, Patrick, what about you? How many kingdoms out of seven would you give <laughs> I'm going to give this uh, chapters? seven out of seven gum gum fruits. Uh, I think that <laughs> they just did a really good job with these five chapters. I guess if we go past five, I mean, it's like what? 96 to 105. I think they Yeah, it's did, 10 chapters, I think. Yeah. They did a great job. I, I, yeah, the Laboon stuff really hit, got to me. I really felt for that stupid whale. And, um,. <laughs> You know, I didn't even bring this up, but I thought the scars on the whale's head, because you see Dragon like a few chapters before that, and I was like, oh, it's got the same kind of pattern as Dragon. looks like a whale. And I'm like, oh, no, it's nothing to do with that. But it That's just, an interesting thought. Yeah. I mean. thought about that. But no, I, I really like, um, it really packs a punch. And there's a lot of cool stuff, a lot of stuff to like in this. So I give it a seven out of seven gum gum kingdoms. <laughs> seven out of seven gum 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 kingdoms yes all right uh i am going to go with the general consensus i'm gonna give this s rank uh didn't really like the laboon stuff as much as you guys but smoker is just so fucking sick that he carries the entire set of chapters um it's got my favorite character in it so i just gotta do fucking s rank motherfucker this is this is top tier imo so nice that's my opinion 
Well, um, I'm glad you said that Smoker's your favorite. Uh, I will do the same and acknowledge when my favorite character in the whole thing shows up. Hell yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this podcast. Please rate and review us on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you got this podcast. And please send us an email at devilfruitpunch at gmail.com. You can ask us more wacky questions like the one that I asked them about what devil fruit they would want to have. And until next time, ahoy. Ahoy. They're turning the freaking frogs gay. (laughs) 